Uh, one of the things I am incredibly grateful for uh, in, in my life, and, and maybe you are in your life as well, is how useful technology can be at times. Not all technology, for sure, and there are moments where you expect it to be useful, and it absolutely is not. But I'm especially grateful for the fact that I have a cell phone that can tell me when I'm lost and how to not be lost anymore. And I'm especially grateful that I can rely on my phone for the most part to get me where I need to go when I'm going somewhere I've never been before. Just this last week and the week before, I was visiting people that were, were outside of the usual area that I go to, so I had never been to their place, and it was outside of Ottawa, and so I wasn't familiar with it. And I was really grateful that I was able to just put in their address in my phone and just follow along and trust it. It gets a little scary at times, though, when it starts to lead you somewhere and you're like, this doesn't look like the right way. And amazingly, when I don't actually know where I'm going, it feels more and more like it's not the right way. But yet it still keeps leading me to the places I need to go. I can remember a time when early on in our marriage uh, where Jill and I were going to go visit her family in New Brunswick. And this was before the days of cell phones. And she had already flown out. Uh, a couple of days before, and I was driving because I had to work, and so I was going to stay a little later, and I was going to leave a little later, and I'm driving, and it's nighttime, and if you've ever driven east, and we were in Toronto at the time, you realize that you get to a place where there's like nothing at all, maybe trees if you're lucky, and you're like, wow, this is kind of weird. There's like nothing here, and maybe every like 10 minutes, you see a car drive by, and you're like, wow, there's really nothing here, even though I see these moose signs everywhere. And then if you're going at night or early in the morning, then there's fog, and you can't really see in front of you. And I can remember this first time driving. I didn't have a smartphone. It was before the days of smartphones. But I did have a GPS, and I had this little kind of one-inch by one-inch square that I was looking on on my dashboard, trying to tell me where I was going, and thinking, I have no idea where this is. It looks like it's leading me to the ocean. It's kind kind of strange. And sometimes it would kind of lead me around areas that made sense to me, but didn't make sense to go down for some reason. And I was always amazed that somehow I still got to where I was going, even though it seemed like we were going the wrong way. And it seemed like I was lost. There are many times probably in your life where you felt a little bit lost and kind of wished you had a smartphone or a GPS kind of telling you where to go to get where you wanted to go. I don't necessarily mean lost in the sense of direction, but the lost in the sense of maybe spiritually, emotionally, or even mentally lost. Like you're just not sure what to do next. And it would be so simple to put something in your phone and it would give you five steps to get where you want to go, but it's, life's not like that. So sometimes we have experiences that kind of change where we thought we were going in the right direction, going the right way, and then all of a sudden everything is messed up. Maybe it's the loss of a job. You had this clear idea of the way you were going to progress in your life, you're going to get move forward in this company, and then all of a sudden, you're fired, and you're lost. Maybe it was in a relationship. You were so sure this would lead to marriage, or maybe it was marriage, and one day they said, not anymore, and you feel a little lost. Or maybe it's just going to school. And you're trying to figure out what comes next. And the courses get harder and harder and harder. And you're thinking, I just feel so lost. Or maybe it's with God. 
Everything seemed to make sense at one point in your life, that God was very clear to you, you knew who God was, you knew what God wanted from you, and now it just seems like there's this fog and you're not sure where to go anymore. We have moments where we feel lost. All of us do. If you've never had a moment like that, you're probably lying. Because we all feel it. But what if there is a way to navigate through it? What if there is, maybe it's not a technological piece of uh, like your cell phone, but what if there's a way to, to guide yourself through those moments that seem unexpected, that change our perspective on the moment, that cause a detour, but still lead us to where we're meant to go? We're in this series, I Am, as we're looking at who Jesus is in his own words. And Jesus has a very foundational statement about this very issue of not being sure about what is to come next. And it's about who he is. He says, he is the way, the truth, and the life. In the moments of confusion or uncertainty, he is the way, just as we sang in the song before. So we're going to be looking at this statement of Jesus, because it doesn't happen in isolation. There's a great, important context to it that should help guide us, even today, when we have those moments of uncertainty. Before we jump into John 14, let's just take a moment to pray. God, I thank you that you invite us to be uh, your people And that while we might not all be clear on what that means or even sure of what we believe about you, you're still inviting us more and more to be who you've always meant us to be, to give us life in all of its fullness, and to experience life everlasting. I thank you that we get to spend this time together to look through these words recorded so long ago but still have meaning for us today, whether we feel like we are lost at this moment or can relate to the fact that there are times when we do feel it. And I pray that as we read through these words that you shared so long ago, Jesus, we allow our hearts and minds to turn to you and understand how significant it is that you are the way. Let's pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So John 14, verse 1, starts like this. says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, anytime someone starts a conversation with you and says, don't worry, what do you usually do? You get a little troubled. If I were just to say to my wife, hey, don't worry about it, honey, the first thing she'll do is says, no, I don't believe you. There's something to worry about here. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And where, why is he saying this? And so obviously this is where I'm jumping in, but he's saying this because of chapter 13. What Jesus has gone through with his immediate followers at this moment is he's sharing a meal with them. Those of us who are familiar with, with Scripture, familiar with church, we know this is the Last Supper. The last time Jesus is to share a meal with his followers, and it is at the time of Passover. And as he shares this meal with his followers... He's going to say some really important things to them, like he's going to die, and that someone around that table is going to betray him. And also that Peter, who says, no, I'm, I'm with you, Jesus, till the end, he says, actually, no, you're not. 
So around this table, this conversation is happening as they're sharing this meal of Passover, this meal that celebrates the God who rescues his people. And as they're celebrating this meal, as they're having this conversation, he explains to them of what's going to happen to him, that he will die. And at that, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So Jesus has just told them that he is going to die. His followers are bothered by this. His response is, don't be troubled. His immediate first response to what I would presume is the troubling in their soul, their worry about what is to come to happen, is he wants to comfort them. I don't know if you've ever been with someone who is like this. I can remember a time when I was with someone from this church who was very near death. Uh, In fact, it was the day before they died. And their biggest concern in our conversation, I'm the pastor going there to pray with them, to comfort them, to remind them that God is with them. Their biggest concern was, was I okay knowing that they were going to die? Their biggest concerns were around their friends and their family being okay that they were going to leave them. It was, it was an incredible moment. And this is what Jesus is like in this moment. His priority is not that he's going to die. It's to comfort his friends, his followers. So he says, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. And then he goes on to explain that where he is going, they are coming as well. And where he is going, uh, is, a, is unfortunately in English the language isn't great, he says there's place for you. He says he's going to go prepare a room. And so some of us, maybe we get this visual like Jesus is building a house. You know, we know he's a carpenter, so he puts his hard hat on and he kind of builds something. But that's not really the language that's going on, even though our English translations move it that way. He basically says where God is, there is space for you. And he's going to make sure there's space for you. And you're going to come someday. And so Jesus gives them this word of comfort. And amazingly, if you read the Gospels, if you read the stories of Jesus' followers, there's one particular follower who always doubts, who always kind of asks the question and goes, are you sure? Is this really the way it is? I'm not sure if I believe it. And this comes up here at this point. And I think it's the follower of Jesus that many of us are most like. It says, Thomas said to him in verse 5, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? One of the things that amazes me is Jesus' patience with people. He's just had a very long conversation over a wonderful meal, said all these things that are going to happen to him, and explained the way over the last, if you read John, 13 chapters. And one of his closest friends and followers, who's known for doubting, goes, Yeah, we don't really know the way. If I was Jesus, I'd be like, have you not listened for 13 chapters? Like, we've been through this. But Jesus is so much better than me. So he has this person, this 
inner crowd, this inner circle, someone he loves, say, you know, we don't really get this. And Jesus answered and says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus tells his closest group in in very specific words, very clear words, that if they want to know the way, it's him. He's the way. He says, I'm preparing a place for you, and you know the way. And they say, well, no, we don't. We're a little confused on this. He says, well, actually, I'm the way. That's how you get to God. This is an incredibly exclusive claim that Jesus makes, that he is the only way to the Father, because he and the Father are one. This is a claim that many of us are actually quite uncomfortable with, even though maybe we don't want to voice that out in church. We're incredibly uncomfortable with it because it means that if he's the way, there's a whole bunch of ways that are not the way. And we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But Jesus actually says a lot in this passage to go with that. He says that he is going to a place to prepare that space for anybody who follows through him as the way, the truth, and the life. While it is exclusive, it is also inclusive. It's for anybody who wants it. But he's the way there. So as his followers are hearing this news, that there's great tragedy that's going to come their way, he says, well, you know what? I'm going somewhere, it's really good, and I am preparing that way for you. And as they hear it, maybe, maybe they were listening, maybe they were just shocked that Jesus said he's going to die, so they weren't sure how to respond. But as they're processing through it, Thomas says, well, no, we don't really know the way. And Jesus makes clear that it's through him. If you've been following along in the series, we've heard the different statements that Jesus makes about himself. And one of them that we, list, we heard from John chapter 10 is that he is the gate. He is the door to which we enter into the hope of new life. Jesus is the way. The early followers of Jesus weren't called Christians. They were called followers of the way. There was an understanding in the first century world that this group of people followed Jesus. And as they followed Jesus, they lived and acted differently than the majority of people in their culture. They acted in such a way that demonstrated their uniqueness from the people around them who were not followers of the way. And so as Jesus invites his earliest followers to do so, he invites us to follow too, that he is the way to this hope of eternity. And it's only that way. Again, this is something a lot of us are a little uncomfortable with. We might not say that we're uncomfortable with it, but we are because we know people and we love people who don't know Jesus. And we wonder, what does that mean for them? What it means is that Jesus has made a way for them too, but they need to go through him. So it gives us an imperative to share about Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, in this statement, is saying that he embodies what people are looking for. They are looking for the way. They are looking for direction. They are looking for the reality that so much of life seems senseless that they can't make sense of it, and they want to find a reason to be, continue existing. 
And so as many of us are trying to figure out what does this mean, how do we do life in general, Jesus says there is a way and it's him. It's his way. His way that just the chapter earlier was washing the feet of his closest friends. Who just the chapter earlier was sharing a meal and saying, I will lay down my life for you. And in just this section, is more concerned about his friends being troubled than the fact that he knows he's laying down his life. There is a way, and it's the way of Jesus. And Jesus is demonstrating how to live and act in a world that doesn't always make sense. Where there's so much uncertainty, he's putting the pinpoint accuracy, as we sang in that song about Jesus being this new horizon, this point where like the earth and the sky meet, this clear point In all of our uncertainty, there is a certainty of eternity with him because he is the way. He makes it so exceptionally clear to his followers and clear to us, and it's hard, even when it's clear, to accept it. That there's this gift to us of eternity, but not just eternity, life right now. In John 10, when he says that he came to give life in all of its fullness, he uses this word zoa or zoe or zeo, which is a life of full spiritual life, more than just existence. And he uses the same word here, that he is the life. In him is found the fullness of our existence. Not just plodding along, trying to figure out what to do and just filling voids with things like success and money or relationships, feeling where we have emptiness, but it's in him we find real life. And it's in him we know truth, what is right and wrong and what is good. And it's only in his way can we find it. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of things in this world, but nothing fills us or fulfills us except for him. Over the last few weeks, I've been talking to a guy I was friends with in high school quite a bit. He reached out to me in the new year because he has been struggling a lot with addiction. And he's like, I need to talk to somebody. And for some reason, after 20 years, he decided I was the one to talk to. And so regularly... A couple times a week, we have phone calls where we talk for about half an hour. And last week, as we were talking through something, I said, you know, you've got to decide if what you want now is more important than what you want most. Because for him, his addiction was, I just like to have fun. I just like to unwind. And it just makes me feel good in this moment. And I said, well, is that what you want? Is that all you want? Or what do you want most? And for him, he's at the point where where what he wants most is to continue living, knowing that if he stays using the substances he's using, he's not going to be doing that. And sometimes we have to face the reality of our wants for now, of going, this is what makes me feel good, and go, what do I want most? And it's in knowing Jesus the way that we can find the fulfillment of what we want most to be fully alive. And we can try to fill our lives with everything we want, but it'll never last. Because that job that we had success in that gave us definition in our life, we will either retire or lose it. That bank account does not go with us when we die. Our school degrees will end up in a dumpster. 
all the things we try to fill our lives with to give meaning and definition to the fulfillment will fade away because one day they will not be there. But with Jesus, there is eternity in mind that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that through him, we can experience and know that now and for eternity to come. It is a great gift from God that we have that opportunity. And it is only through him. So the question becomes, what way are you going? Are you following his way? Even in the midst of detours or distractions, are you trusting that he is leading to that life? that you so desire? Or are you allowing those detours and distractions to guide you in the wrong way? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have made a way for us. And that way is through you, through Jesus. That Jesus, you came and chose to engage with human beings on earth, to embrace us and love us, like your closest followers, and even us today. And in your love, find a way for us to make sense of all the senselessness we may experience, to give certainty of eternity in the uncertainties of life, to give hope when there's hopelessness, and to give us life in the fullness through your death and resurrection. Jesus, you say you are the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray that we come to know that intimately, Maybe we could say that we've been following your way our whole life, but maybe we need a reminder that sometimes we get distracted, sometimes we hit detours, and we end up going in a direction that's different than what you want for us. I pray, Jesus, you remind us that you came to give us life in all of its fullness, here and now, and for a life to come. And that your way, even though it is hard, even though it is frustrating, even though there are times that we don't want to agree with it, it is still the best way. I thank you, you give us this gift, Jesus. And I pray we come to know it and live every day in your way. Let's pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.